When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Mirror Lane, Mirror Lane. You twist and turn my mind until I don't know who I am. Mirror Lane. Good morning and welcome to a new edition of the Arsenal Opinion Podcast. Sounded like a horse race announcer there. Or a horse I podcast. liked it. Liked it. I got really into it. I'm in a soundproof room. There's no echoes here, Matt. Uh, you're in England. How are you doing, Matt? You enjoying yourself? Oh, I'm great. I'm great. Um, had an incredible time at Selhurst Park on Monday night. Feels like, feels like longer ago. Uh, just so good to be in the away end. So good to be watching the Arsenal. So good to have a new season. So much to be positive about. Um, Did then... your wife get into the charts? Was she singing? Burkayo! Yes, no. Uh, <laughs> she, she, she loved it. Everyone loved it. It was. Uh, I left her uh, for about two minutes um, while I went and got a beer, and then came back, and there was an Arsenal fan trying to chat her up. I had to literally step in and be like, "What the fuck are you talking about?" <laughs> lovely, lovely. Well, uh, the man had good taste. Uh, did anybody from the internet spot you? Did anybody say, hey, I spoke to you the internet? Rather, in, rather embarrassingly, absolutely no one. My wife was taking the piss. Uh, <laughs> she, act, she, was actually, she actually said to a few people we were talking to, oh, uh, he does a podcast. Uh, no one was of interest. No one was interested. No one, no one wanted a piece. No one wanted a piece. No one wanted a piece. It was first away of the season. People just wanted to get absolutely stuck into those plastic bottles of Carlsberg. <laughs> Fantastic. Well, uh, it looked like a it looked like a fun game. We'll touch briefly on that because that was um was an interesting game. Lots of uh, lots of negativity after. Lots of positivity. Like kind of a weird one. Um, but an early an, an early win, and we are joint top of the table. Um, so very exciting there. But we've got a lot of transfer things to talk about today, Matt. Some injury news, some players coming back uh, yep. very quickly. And we've got a game coming up. We won't touch won't touch too hard on that because we've got before the whistle coming up. But Fulham at the weekend, it's looking like it's going to be a fun one. But you know the tradition, Matt. 
Give me your hottest of takes. Hottest of takes. Three hottest of takes. The AOP hottest of takes. Make it spicy. Matt, it's 101 degrees here. Can you top the temperature levels with something super spicy for the Arsenal opinion listeners? My hottest of takes is that this season is bubbling very, very nicely indeed. I couldn't believe the negativity after Monday night. I loved everything about Monday night because I think you learn so much more about Arsenal in a game like that than you do with a routine 3-0 victory. Frankly, we were so much better than Palace. It was just never... in. We're just we're just on a completely different level. We're on a completely different level to the way to to, to the to the performance we put in against them last season. And if it hadn't have been a sending off, we would have won that three or four nil, I think. But the fact that we had to then go through the ringer, the fact that we had to go down to ten men, the fact that Declan Rice had to play an absolute stormer, the fact that we had to rejig our whole back four, the fact that we had to play the game out in a completely different way, and the fact that we succeeded meant that we've just got so many new learnings into the system. We've built, breathed that sort of solidarity and that team building into the new recruits. And um, honestly, I'm happier with that win than a 5-0. I really am. And that sounds a little bit weird to say that, but I'm suddenly going into the third game of the season going, this is is very, very good indeed because we've got Fulham. I didn't realise Fulham had lost to Brentford uh, at home, 3-0 or something last week. Then we got Man United, and I'm just like, the way that we're playing, the way that everything's coming together, uh, the fact that Declan Rice is already looking so at home, couldn't be, couldn't be, couldn't be more excited about the way things are coming together at the beginning of the season. And we really overcame that. You know, I felt there was a bit of negativity crept into the system after the timber injury, as you'd expect. Especially but from you, like- you were very upset. I was upset, but I feel like th- that was the perfect antidote. And seeing that picture of them all in the dressing room holding the timber shirt, you know, hearing everyone talking about the family that is the Arsenal. Oh, it's, it's, it's so spicy uh, in the Arsenal uh, family at the moment. Love it. Love it. I think I have a bit of a weird hot take today, but Mikel, Mikel Arteta has gone from being cone boy, uh, you know, Pep's made and all of the bad things that you could possibly imagine to almost this sort of like deity-like figure. Like, we've had Alfred who uh, used to talk on this podcast. He um, he did like a sort of management 101 on how Arteta has been changing things up and it was like he was, he was, was, it, he was comparing him to like startup culture. And then we had uh, Sasha the big huge twitter account um he can he can play compared it to like greek greek stoicism uh and then i i've seen one today that was how arteta used basketball to beat palace and it's so funny how uh, a sustained period of success like every, like you've gone from being a total bum to being genius like the, the like he's like next level in the eyes of so many like he's a, he's like a it almost feels like he's bubbling up to be the next Wenger you know like Wenger got to a point where it didn't matter what he did there was always a like somebody would post rationalize it and it's the same with Mikel Arteta now the man can do no wrong if you criticize him people will jump on you like even I'm, I've got criticism in our podcast ratings. Someone was like, "How dare you criticize Mikel Arteta? You're a disgrace!" And it's it's just amazing. It's uh, has my sound gone out? Can you still hear me? Um, 
So I thought that uh, I just wanted to say that I think Mikel Arteta is moving up a level, and it seems to be uh, seems to be a bit of a hero in the. But don't you think that? I mean, look, I think we all looked at that lineup at the beginning of the first game and gone, "Why is he doing this weird lineup with party right back?" And now you're looking at it, and it's like sometimes you have to see something a couple of times. Now I'm looking at it, and I'm going, "It's absolutely genius!" Like we're playing all these deep blocks, and like, yeah, we're going to play three at the back. Basically, and then to have the boldness to then go and do it away, away at Palace on a Monday night. Oh yeah, we're just going to play three at the back. Ultimately, when we're, when we've got the ball. Do you, I mean, do you remember him last year getting crucified because the All or Nothing documentary came out and he was playing the sound of the cop in the stadium and people were mocking him. Now people are embracing that innovative side of him, and uh, it's almost a bit much. Yeah, I think the cop thing was a weird one because. Um, the point of that, I think, was you're dealing with there's, there's a huge amount of repetition. You know what I mean? You've got 60 odd games and you've got to somehow say something new every, every single week in a way to get people to keep people engaged rather than switching off. And I think the cop was just a good example of just like something new to keep people um, like engaged and, 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 and on it. Whereas it got it sort of got represented as something different. I don't think it was ever designed to be a real game changer. It was just more of a, just another expression of trying to find little 0.1% or just try and keep the club, the players feeling like they're as prepared as possible. But, but yeah, I've, I've, I've read all those threads. Um, I don't think, I don't know how much is true. Like I read that basketball one. I thought it was interesting, but I also thought it was probably a load of bullshit. I'd, yeah, it, it's the, you know, Arteta's not, I don't think Arteta's reading Greek philosophy either. I'm sorry. <laughs> he's just not. I think he's, um, I think he's a very corporate kind of guy. Like, I, I would love to know what he's reading this is. I, I bet you he has read business books or like books on culture from history because the, the way that he approaches it, it feels like somebody's taught him something. I don't believe all of this mindset has come specifically from Pep. And I'm sure actually, you know, like he's played under um, a lot of managers. He's probably taken little bits from each dressing room to help him build what he thinks is a culture. But he's the way that he speaks about culture. He's so structured in the way that he talks about it. And so matter of fact, it doesn't feel like it's a, a self-taught philosophy. Uh, it, it feels like he's had some help. Do you think well, he's do, picking well, up well, some do, books? Well, I do wonder. I thought that game at the Yetahead must have been pretty chastening for Arteta because he got it so wrong on so many levels and there was two things three things that Pep did I think Arteta would have viewed it as a weakness to go in and, and play a more conservative approach against Manchester City it would somehow seem like he was uh, putting his principles by the door but Pep Guardiola played us the ultimate compliment and went with like like a, almost like a double double pivot in midfield. He put centre-halves at full-backs and made them not go forward to neutralise Saka and Martinelli. And it's meant that they were absolutely able to just ride roughshod over us. And then obviously you've got had John Stone stepping into midfield. So I think that could well have been a moment where Arteta realised that he needed more new innovative ideas rather than just bringing Manchester City bringing Manchester City DNA and I wonder whether that was a bit of an inflection moment about you know 
unpredictability, tactical flexibility, and what's my John Stones? What's my centre back at full back? What's my and I think that this sort of three at the back in possession party is 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 the beginning of that type of piece. I think Havertz is another example of that, like the repurposing of players into different places. So it definitely feels like something's happened that's and you know, there's nothing like a failure, which that was to really spark innovation and change, I think. Yeah, I do think that I do think that if there is anywhere that um Arteta borrows from. I do think it. I do think it is American sport, but maybe more on the NFL side than than basketball. I think that you know, just thinking about number sixes at the moment. Number sixes are the are the hottest weapons, right? Um, and he's tried to ship it, like number sixes weren't very fashionable before. Like, and then they then they became powerful. Then they had to add speed to their game. Thinking Kante you know, powerful and fast. Now they have to be able to have an incredible range of passing. Now they have to be able to dribble with the ball at his feet. So he's kind of like, you know, American, uh, I think Johnny said it on the last podcast about um, mobile quarterbacks. Now everybody's got a mobile quarterback, but that was a new innovation. The number six feels like it's following the quarterback path. I mean, Declan Rice, you watched him in the flesh, right? And he can do everything. He can, but I mean, the ultimate six, Patrick Vieira. I mean, he wasn't a six. He was. A, he was. He had a four on the four on his back. But for me, Patrick Vieira would be the ultimate six, right? Because he can anchor in midfield. He can take the ball from deep. I'd, I think sure, he's more I think of a six. If you look back at his game now, and if, if 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 you, I don't think it would compare to where Declan Rice can potentially go. Or you know, I think the Thomas Partey is an upgrade technically on what Patrick Vieira is, and I don't know no one wants to hear that. But I disagree. I disagree. You with disagree? That. Well, what Maybe Patrick I'm... Vieira was absolutely twinkle toed, and I think Patrick Vieira, I'd say, an upgrade on say a Roy Keane, who was more of like an engine, more of a Brian Robson. But Patrick Vieira was so lethal because he was so good with the ball. You know, the amount of times he did those little flicks over people's heads and just ran away from them. Some of the finishes, the dink finishes, he was. I think. I, I just think wonder had, if he absolutely. If you ran numbers, what would Declan Rice have that Pat Trevira doesn't have? I think he's, I think he's faster on the ball. I think he's got a, a wider range of of passing. He's probably fitter these days. I, I don't know. Maybe I'm totally. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong. I don't want to upset anybody listening. I think there's, to a re- this, but... there's a there's a recency bias because we're seeing Declan Rice now. I mean... Well, just the quality of the Premier League. You know, you have to be able to do it over. Um, 60 games now. I think players are just better now. Like the quality of football is so much faster. Uh, the quality of opposition, pound for pound, is so much better. I'm not, I'm not saying Patrick Vieira wouldn't be a great player in this era, but I do think um, I do think Declan Rice probably has a skill set that Patrick Vieira didn't have. Patrick Vieira, was, that, let's just say he was the start. He was the can we start. get one of those? Can you get one of those? You know how you have those little maps, those little hexagons that's got all those. It's like a spider yeah. one. Can you overlay old players from the past with current players? I don't think you can. I don't, I I don't love think they have the data. It would be cool would, to see that, yeah. I would love to see that with Vier, between Vieira and Declan Rice. I, I don't mm. think... I don't, I'm going to be brutally honest. Declan Rice has yet to, is yet to be... He's not even fit enough to lace Patrick Vieira's boots yet. I'm going to go no, that yeah, far. Yeah, no, no. He's, he's nowhere near. What, how old was Patrick Vieira when he came to Arsenal? 23? 
Or was he younger? I think he was maybe younger. I think maybe 21. Yeah, yeah, it's true. All right, okay. I'll I'll take that back. Don't flame me. Please don't flame me. All right, let's move on to some hot topics. I did want to just go back to Palace. I know that, uh, you know, it's done and dusted, but you sat in the stadium. I think when me, you and uh, Johnny went to the Wolves game, the thing that blew my mind seeing Aaron Ramsdale in the flesh was just how narrow those margins were with those crazy passes. And what struck you from the performance? I mean, you got to see a whole bunch of players you've never seen wear Arsenal shirts before. Talk to me. I think everyone just looked absolutely on it to me. I mean, it was two different, two very different halves of football. And annoyingly, the first half was at the other end. So you don't get such a good view of stuff. Um, I thought um, the players that really stood out for me, obviously, Saliba, you know, just, just now marshalling the whole back line. Incredible. Declan Rice, when we went down to 10, we just was, had that ability to just, he just grabbed the game by the scruff of the neck. It was more about the charisma on the pitch rather than the touches, so to speak. Um, Eddie was awesome. I didn't really get a good look at the miss, the misses. Felt like he he made everything happen, and he just worked so hard for everything. I was really really impressed by him. Um, so that they were probably my 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 standout performers. I thought Tommy Yasu was really good until until you know he got sent off. Um, as well, I was, I was I was pleased by looking at how well um, he played, but but all round, I just thought we looked on it. I mean, we we really made Palace look like a very very average team, and you've got to remember this was their first home game of the season, and then that's the team. I think just the away support was just absolutely incredible. Every single person standing whole game, singing all game, supporting the team all game. Great atmosphere, great support. So um, yeah, everything was everything's coming good, and I think there's just so much more to come from all of them. You know, we didn't see the best of Odegaard, we didn't see the best of Saka, Martinelli. Um, we didn't see the best of him. Uh, what did Eddie, you make of uh, Harvards? It's an interesting one because I'd loved. I, I want. I don't want to get on his back, and I don't think he did anything wrong. Um, but he looked slower more off the pace than others to me from where i was where i was sitting but i think that's just so dynamic and he's just got a slightly different style but um you know i think all the the stats point to him having had a good game um and i think he may just be one of those players who the eye test and the and the output and the outcomes maybe aren't always 100 percent aligned and we've got to give them a We've got, to, we've got to educate ourselves a little bit about what he brings. What, what did you think about Kai Havertz? I like him. I don't think that he's delivering the output that perhaps we need at the moment, but I think it's going to take him a while to adapt to a system and adapt to a club that knows how to, to utilise his skills. But I like his, um, I like his energy. I like that he's aggressive in the duels. He's far more aggressive than I thought he was going to be. Like He's a real animal. That, uh, that cold catwalk model look that he's got doesn't... Um, it's not Ozil. He's not Ozil out on that pitch. Like he, he works relentlessly. He's got some nice touches. I like some of the partnerships that he was forming down on the left. Um, I like that he can slip in and out of that nine and eight position uh, fairly comfortably. And I think the goals will drop for him because he's because he's so mobile and so fast. He's just going to get chances. And you know, people forget he's only twenty three years old. There aren't many players in the Premier League twenty three or younger that are getting. 
10, 15 goals a season. I think he's going to be one of them. I think he's going to be like uh, Martin Erdegaard for output. And if we can get 15 goals out of him as a left eight, that's better than what Granite Jacker was offering him. If he can get 15 goals as a nine, that's better than Gabby Jesus last season. So I think that we've added goals, we've added a threat. But to your point um, at the start of the podcast, he gives us tactical flexibility and it makes us unpredictable because no one knows where he's going to play. Yeah, I agree with that. I agree with all, I agree with all of that. And I think a lot of people I saw something going Arsenal. I think, was, I think Daily Mirror said Arsenal turned down Eze and Kudos to sign Havertz, and it was sort of then underneath he had about a thousand people going, "Oh, I can't believe we missed out on an Ajax player who I've never seen in anything other than some comp videos." And I'm looking and I'm thinking, I think we've got a lot of players like that, like raw, interesting, creative players. But I think what Havertz brings is a bit more refinement. It's definitely a more complete, uh, mature player than than those names. And I think he's going to add a lot more value than, say, an Eze or a, or a Kudus. Could now. Yeah. Everybody's addicted to saying that the thing that they don't watch ever is the actual thing. And I think one of the most powerful parts of Arsenal's rebuild strategy is signing players that have done it in the league. And that and and because you're slightly familiar with players in the league, they don't always it doesn't always feel sexy. Ben White had a had a terrible reputation for absolutely no reason, mostly because people weren't paying attention to him. Aaron Ramsdale came in, he was boring. Martin Odegaard came in on a permanent move after a six-month loan deal. And he was boring it's because Kudus sounds exciting and those videos look exciting. But there are plenty of players that have that sort of like continental reputation. And then they come here and they're rubbish. I would have been more concerned about him if he'd gone to Brighton. But the fact Brighton are interested in him means that he probably will come good. But Kai Havertz has scored in a Champions League final. What, what, like, you, you, you don't get better than that. You don't get better than that. Um, Okay, so enough enough chit-chat on Palace, Matt. Uh, let's get to the hottest topic of today. Gabby Jesus is back in the game. There are a few people online that said he was going to be back six to eight weeks. I put my neck out and I said that he'd be back for the Palace game. It wasn't quite right, but he's back in training, full training. Um, he's looking good. He's looking good, Matt. And he, sh- he could be on the bench this weekend, um, but he'll definitely be in the mixer for Manchester United, providing nothing goes wrong. Um, what do we lack? when Jesus isn't playing? What do you think the difference is? I think um, we've just done, we've, had, we've played so many games without him and we played a lot of games with him unfit. But I think that when he is fit, he's just an absolute world-class talent. And I just think about that pre-season game against the MLS All-Stars where the ref had the cam on him and he just, he just picked that absolutely audacious finish from the edge of the box. I think about that game against Leicester in the opening home game of last season when he bent one in top corner. And I think we just don't have anyone who's capable of that type of finish on the regular. I mean, Saka and Erdegaard have it to an extent, but not to the same level of Gabby Jesus. And so I think he just, you know, for me, he is an immediate starter when he's fit and ready and raring to go. Um, so just absolutely delighted that he's back. You know, of course, there are concerns about whether he is the guy to be our record number nine or whether ultimately we'll need to upgrade. I think you look at it and you go, if Ramsdale can get upgraded by David Raya, 
if uh, Sinchenko can get upgraded by Timber. Whatever. I know there's variables about where these people play. I don't think you can look at it and go, it's, it must be in the realms of possibility that Arteta would love to upgrade on Gabby Jesus. Because there are levels and Manchester City have got a guy called Erling Haaland who, they is, do. who is way better in who the looks same... Like he's struggling this season, Matt. Oh, God, are you kidding? Uh, who's, yeah, he looks, yeah who's, who's way better than Gabby Jesus in the number nine role. Um, so, so I think, I think we could, I think we as a club, ultimately, if we're going to go on and win Champions Leagues and compete for the league for the next five years, we'll probably need to upgrade on Gabby Jesus. But right now, I'm just excited to have him back and excited for him to get a run in the team. I feel like we didn't really see the best of him when he came back from injury, maybe just right at the end in the last game or two. But it's just been so long since we've seen him fully fit. And let's be honest, he's not going to be fully fit until after the international break again. But if he can get some minutes against, I'd love to see him uh, on the, the good bench thing against... is though, he'll be as unfit as everybody else. Like players don't get up to speed till ten games, so That's he true. won't he That's won't be true. he won't be like wildly unfit. Did did you did you notice in in the Palace game that there was a bit of a drop off as the game went on? Could you could you sort of feel players getting a, a little leggy out there towards the end? I mean, it was so difficult to tell. I was surprised by how passive we were with ten men. I don't know how much of that was tiredness. Basically, just we like went into all-out defence very early, and like I felt like we were so dominant before then that I felt like we could have beaten them if we had to beat them. If we were going for the championship and it was nil-nil, and we went down to ten men, I think we could have beaten them with ten men. Found found a goal, found a way, but the the strategy was was much more reserved, and it worked so great. So it was difficult to tell what was drop off and what was born out of the the red card. To be honest, probably not drop off because Palace grew and grew and grew into the game. So it's it's sort of sort of difficult to tell. To be honest, but I mean nothing better for fitness than playing with ten men. No, that's true. That's true, and nothing better than a win um, when you're down to ten men. What, 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 what did you think? Because you you probably had a better view of it on on TV than I did behind a behind a pillar. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I think the I think the Crystal Palace are probably one of the most athletic teams in the Premier League. Got a lot of young players, a lot of power, a lot of pace. Um, I think it's really difficult to play against some of their street footballers um, because they're you know they're so difficult to keep an eye on. And just got to be realistic. Like two games into the season, things are going to get leggy late on. And when you've got ten men, you are defending for your life. Especially at Crystal Palace, it's a really difficult atmosphere to play in. Um, on on Gabby Jesus, I, I agree with you. He offers us something different. He's chaos, but he's also structured chaos. Like he knows what he's doing. Um, I think that he has a fear factor that maybe Eddie and Ketier doesn't really have at the moment. That I think he could develop over time. And um, you know, I, I just think that the team reacts differently with him in it because he makes you believe that you can find a way to win a game. And he also does a better job at bringing other players into the game as well. I think he gets the best out of Martinelli and Bukayo Saka. Though I am with you, I think it, like he needs a goalless. Uh, he needs a twenty-goal season this year, I think. Uh, but I don't think there's anything stopping the next round coming in. I think the cherry on top move for Arsenal is a new striker. I think Arsenal fans should keep an eye on Ivan Tony. We've got a relationship with Brentford right now. 
I honestly believe that there is there is going to be something there. So keep an eye on that one. I also think that Evan Ferguson rumors um, are quite interesting. They put 120 million buyout clause on him. If he has a brilliant season this year, um, there's a lot of people in the industry that think that he could be the next Harry Kane. Um, but he might be a little bit too young for that. I think he'd be 18, 19. But um, Ivan Tony, like it, I, Ivan Tony, is English Erling Haaland as far as I'm concerned. And I think if you put him in an Arsenal team with those pinpoint crosses, uh, those chances. He's a 25-goal-a-season striker every single time, uh, and he's very robust. So it'd be interesting to see uh, what happens there. I was surprised that nobody moved for him before the end of his sentence. I thought that a team might just, especially like Chelsea, you can throw money I just around. Think, I, just, I just think we were t- I had exactly this thought, but then I'm like, wait a minute. Clubs will avoid, will draw out a transfer for a couple of weeks to avoid paying a couple of weeks of wages. And so we're honestly saying that someone's going to pay uh, six months of wages. What's six months of wages? That's like maybe that's like what two and a half million pounds um, yeah. for nothing. And then bear in mind, he can't even train. He's not allowed to train. It seems like yeah. a very harsh punishment. You're basically it's paying brutal, right? two and a half million pounds to sit at home and play PS5. Yeah. I, I, it would be interesting to see how it comes back as well because it's a long period of time sitting on your ass or, or not I mean, I'm sure. on your ass. I'm sure they've got him running around, but I wonder it's if it's like, can he, if he can't train at all, does that mean he can't train with amateur clubs? I wonder if they could have loaned him to uh, Saudi Arabia or something. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Did, read, did you read that rumour that uh, Nuno, who's at one of the Saudi Arabian clubs with Karim Benzema, has told ownership that Karim Benzema does not fit with his tactical plans. He wouldn't give him the captain's armband. And they've fallen out. Yeah, mate, like Nuno, if you've got a tactical plan in Saudi Arabia and it doesn't involve Karim Benzema, I'm sacking you, my friend. You're out. <laughs> like, what are you thinking? Why would you pick a fight with him? I'm just like, tell me what tactics you want me to play. 3-4-2, yeah. 4 The tactic is who fits to Benzema. 10-1-1, whatever. I don't care. Just like, you're not going there to... You're going there for the paycheck. Absolutely. Did you see, um, who was it? Um, was it? Is it that player who'd been linked with Chelsea a lot? The Celta Vigo guy. Yeah. Uh, he went and underneath on his Instagram, I think, uh, Cruz or something, just wrote, embarrassing. Did, oh, no, didn't he say that to Fabrizio Romano? Forgetting, he said that he was going to Napoli. And, he, and, and Fabrizio got it wrong again. He's not come out of this window. Well, I'm, I'm team Orny all the way. Ornstein, you know, the difference is Ornstein doesn't need the attention. Like, he honestly doesn't need the attention. And that's what he just is driven by accurate reporting. I think when, like, when your mission is to be accurate and you don't care about attention, you're more likely to get things right. I think the problem with Fabrizio Romano is he wants to be seen to be on the in of every single deal in the world. And it's It's absurd. Like it's there absurd is, watching there, him doing it. There, there is <laughs> like, no, no one's way caught... that no money is changing hands between him and Chelsea. Or not maybe not money, but there is definitely a, a special relationship there because he definitely gets scoops and he's incredibly biased towards Chelsea, I think. Yeah, like Matt Law. He's the same the way that he wrote yeah. your, your your friend your friend Stefan that you had on the podcast ripped Matt Law apart uh, yeah. the other day for his favorable coverage it's funny though like once you get once you get a gig with a top premier league club you'll say anything you'll say anything to keep that information rolling it's really amusing the um yeah the the 
I, I don't think it's I, I think it's exchange of information that's the most valuable thing. I yeah. don't know I don't think Chelsea um necessarily no, need to yeah, pay. Yeah. But club but clubs use those guys and agents so, use those guys and feed them wrong information. But David Ornstein will get 15 different accounts to make sure that he's accurate. I don't think our dear friend Fabrizio does. Still, what a life, what a life Fabrizio's got. Like seven million followers, picking up a load of money for just taking calls from agents and just just amazing all right let's go to the next topic of conversation following balagan is still training alone but monaco have apparently agreed a verbal fee no premier league club has come in for him although there is rumored interest from chelsea um matt balagan's gonna get a move he scores goals he's 21 years old he's a hot property in europe where do you think he's gonna end up and where would you prefer him to end up I prefer him to end up wherever the most money is. I think like, that that's that's the head on me. Emotionally, it would be nice if he went to Monaco because it's like a, I mean, they're, they're irrelevant from a emotional standpoint. You know, they're just like he'll play in a car park in front of a few thousand people, but he'll get paid well. They're in France, so have no problem with them. Great lifestyle, and so that would be the goal, but. You know, not going to a Premier League club knocks at least 15 million off the potential price. I think we could get, I don't think, I, it's going to be hard to get more than 35, 37 million from, from Monaco. Whereas Chelsea, and you're talking 50, 50, 55, just the Premier League tax. We know everyone's got money. So, um, but yeah, we, we've got to get rid of them. I think, I think we, I'm not sure we play these that well because I think, when when you look at how like Brighton play Caicedo, is it's like you know he's going to go, but there's also the chance that he could just do another season. There's always like it could just do another season at, at Brighton. That could have happened. In the end, if the price wasn't met, you do still feel like he could have just been told one more year, then you get the move, and he would have had to have done it with Balogun playing on his own. It's like I'm not sure that. I would have loved to have seen him come on in pa- against Palace or or Nottingham Forest for a few minutes, so that suitors just think, oh, maybe he is still in the plans. Maybe he could stay. You know what I mean? It feels like not great negotiating tactics when it's like feel like the window's closing and we're under pressure to sell rather than they're under pressure to get rid of him. Does that make Does that make sense? You're on mute. Yeah, it makes total sense. I just can't believe that somebody that scored that many goals in France last year doesn't have suitors lining up to to bring him to to their clubs. I guess Arsenal have put a a big transfer fee on him, which might be holding things up. And clubs just expect that there's going to be a handout from Arsenal, don't they? I, I, they they don't go into negotiations with Chelsea thinking they're going to get a bargain, but they do with Arsenal because normally we give a bargain. Like people, yeah. like nobody's buying Nicolas Pepe because they know that termination by mutual consent is coming. So they just wait. I agree. I agree. But Monaco would be good. Let's just get him out. Um, I think our net spend is 170-odd. So get him out. We sell all our players for decent fees. We'll probably have a a net spend of about 77 million this summer. Yeah, I saw that list that you did. I saw that list you did. I thought it was quite optimistic. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. It's like when people are like, oh, yeah, we're going to get 20 million for holding... Tierney's 45. It's like, mate, it's not. Like, we can't even sell Kieran Tierney to Kelton Vigo for 12 million at the moment. Listen, Matt, I'm, I am an optimist. I don't run a startup. 
uh, like you. So I have a more optimistic. Op- I'm just a, a normal get a paycheck every month. So I'm a bit more optimistic. And I did. I was thinking for this next part of the podcast, um, just something that you talked to me about. Uh, Matt gives great advice. So if you're ever in a bind and uh, you can find Matt and ask him for a bit of advice, he'll give you some great stuff. And one of his bits of advice to me is when I'm complaining about something, he says, Pete, no one cares. No one cares. So you either do this or you don't do anything. But just understand, no one cares about your excuses. No one gives a shit about you. And I'm like, I've taken that into my life. I, I like that. I, I like that that sort of mindset because it does reframe stuff. It's like, well, if I want to change something, just just go right in. Well, Eddie and Ketty has come out with this really good quote, and I just wanted to get your take on it, Matt, because it sounds like he's been talking to you on the side. Um, he said, I always train like a beast at Arsenal and give my all, whether I'm playing or not. That's the mentality I have. I train full gas because I think if you train well most of the time, it reflects in your game. Where I grew up, no one cares if you're upset. It doesn't get you where you want to be. So think through hard work and resilience, you'll get to where you need to get to. It might not happen straight away, but over time, you will get the rewards. Matt, have you been advising Eddie and Ketia on the side? And what do you think of this mentality um, after watching him play uh, at Crystal Palace? I think it's just fantastic. I think it's fine. Mikel Arteta loves him. And he just forces his way back in. And I love that. You know, Mikel, but Mikel Arteta literally come out. He dropped him for the community shield. He thought Kai Havertz was the better option. We sort of predicted that in that game. And I would play Kai Havertz up top against Manchester City again, ahead of Gabby Jesus, I think. Because I just think we've seen Gabby Jesus get eaten up. Whereas I think Kai Havertz could do something different. Whereas, but So I love the fact that Eddie just went out and just bossed it all week in training and just got the, got the nod for the Forest game. And, and, you know, this is just a reflection of that moment in All or Nothing where he talks to Sambi Laconga, just like, just get on with it. Just like you're a professional footballer, and and you just see the difference between him and say a Balogun. Um, you know, it's a long, long season. It's a long, long career, and you know, I, I just, I just love that mentality. And I think part of what Eddie's doing, I think part of what fuels Eddie is the fact that he know Eddie doesn't get given anything for nothing. He's like no one's favorite. He's never the first name on the team sheet. He's, all, he's normally the 11th name on the team sheet. That's the number that, that I would say he's normally the number that, that never any higher. And I think he uses that rather than, rather than feeling sorry for himself or being annoyed or going, why not? It's fuel. And, um, and I think that I love that. Um, and I think that ultimately, even as his career grows, even as he ultimately might become the first name on a team sheet for periods, I hope he always feels like he's the eleventh, the eleventh name, because I think it's 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 fueling him, and it's sort of in the way he plays. Like he doesn't get when does he get a nice through ball one on one with the goalkeeper? It's like he has to hustle, he has to chase down, he has to harry, he has to move quick on a free kick, rob the goalkeeper, all of that sort of stuff for every single chance, and he does it. And over the course of a season, he'll get five goals that are like just chasing things down and and I, and I have a huge amount of respect for him for that yeah i love him and i think if you're training so hard Mikel arteta calls you out at a press conference and says this guy's training like a beast or whatever arteta said the other week um fair play to you i love his professional and, attitude and also and for someone so young as well just love and if it. he's doing that in training that means everyone else has to step up because you can't have him training like a beast and everyone else training like 
fifty percent. He's you know because you just going it's going to make you look stupid. Think about how how that's helping our defenders when they're playing against full pace Eddie, rather than you know. Uh, sort of someone going through the motions, waiting for the weekend, knowing they're going to be on the team ship. So it's going to only fuel. I think part of it is the Gabby Jesus effect as well. And yeah. It's one of the benefits of him. He's relentless as well. Yeah. So great, great advice. You and Eddie should write a book together, Matt. No one cares. Right. It get you through anything. Such a good, such a good piece of advice. All right. Maybe that. a bit of a sad piece of advice though. <laughs> You're like, oh, and and it is true. This isn't even just faking it. This is this is what life is, no, my friend. It's a struggle. It's a struggle. It's a struggle. All right. It's not. I was just talking about. You kind of touched on it. I wanted to get into the frozen four: Samuel Conga, Rod Hold, holding Kieran Tierney, and Flo Balogun, um, and Cedric. So maybe it's a frozen five. Are uh, all training alone at the moment? There's a little bit of consternation on the internet. Um, people don't think that this is fair. They think that this is a little bit mean. Matt, what's your take on this? I mean, I don't know how much of it's true. Certainly, it is there are pictures that there are pictures of it today? Certainly, felt a little bit sad for Rob Holding. Yeah, uh, take your banjo over there, Rob. No one wants I mean, to hear it anymore. It is. It, it is what it is. It's the new culture, right? It's yeah. high performance. It's elite performance. It's you're not going to get games. It's thank you for your service. You're the longest serving player at Arsenal, I think. So, um, I don't. I don't love it, but. You know, I've never run a, a, a such high-level performance at an organisation as Mikel Arteta is doing, and if he thinks it's right, um, yeah, it, it, you know, you're trying to keep a tight-knit group really, really focused on the task at hand, and if there's four players who are distracted, who are not on it, who aren't going to play any minutes, what's the point of having them around? They're a, they're a distraction. So I think it's all just part of What's our focus? What's our objective? Do, do these people help that or hinder it? Which one? Oh, they hinder it because they're not going to play any minutes because they're distracted, because they're disappointed. Keep them away. Negative energy. Keep them away. Not, nothing personal. It's, no, it's nothing personal. It's just they're not, they are not going to help us in any way get 0.1% better performance. None of them are going to help us get three points on Saturday. So that's fine. And by the way, you're getting treated extremely well and you're getting paid a lot of money for that privilege. Yeah, that's true. That's true. And I think they, I think those five all want out anyway, apart from maybe Cedric, because he's not getting 90 grand a week anywhere else, unless he can muster up a deal to Saudi. Uh, all right, Matt, I'm going to talk about something very touchy uh, right now. So I need you to brace emotionally, find your safe space. Have you found it? Okay. Hearing some rumors, Matt, you remember a few weeks ago when I told you that uh, David Raya was being rumbled about and then it happened. But didn't put it on a podcast. I'm going to put something on a podcast because the same person has been whispering in my ear again, Matt. Smith Rowe wants out at Arsenal. Doesn't want to hang around. So far down the pecking order that he's looking for a move. Matt, I know Smith Rowe is your personal star boy. Um, do you think we've done right by Smith Rowe? What's gone on here? Uh, one of the most important players in the squad two years ago has come back from injury didn't get any minutes after January and he's not getting a lot of minutes in preseason. Um, is this, are we going to regret this one? I don't see any way back from, I just don't, I just don't see it. I think he's behind everyone. I don't think, I don't think he's, he's got enough in his locker right now to get ahead of any of the people who are there. Um, injuries have been cruel. I think he needs to 
regroup. I think he needs to go again. I think Villa or West Ham would be really, really good moves. Again, I feel like we've, his value has plummeted to a point where he's now a 30 million player when there was a moment when we could have got 60 or 70. So I feel like there's better management would have been possible, but I'm almost of the mindset that we should let him go now because I think in a year he's not going to play any games. He's going to be miserable and he's not going to get in the team. So um, this, I, I wouldn't be surprised to see him go. I, I thought that City could get Paqueta and leave a hole in West Ham's midfield and then they could go for Smith Rowe. That was my prediction a few weeks back. Um, but, but yeah, I, I, I can't see it. I can't see it happening. The difficulty with selling him is is that nobody knows whether he's going to come back the same player because nobody's been able to see him. So you're taking a risk. No one can pay 50 million for him. But you, you would imagine, though, he'd make West Ham better, Villa better, Brighton better. I mean, he's a, he's a top, top young player. But if Brighton, never, would be a great, if, Brighton would be a good place for him. Yeah. Because he's technically good enough. Yeah. And he would fit right into their system. No need to adapt. Yeah. Come at a premium, though. Don't know how many players they've got that are on uh, more than ninety grand a week, but they can certainly afford it. They've got the, the, the they've got the gross domestic product of a, of a the, small country he, or a, he's a the sorry, Ars- cash flow. He, he's the Arsenal number ten. He is, yeah, it is. But, but you know, I thought. I mean, we. I saw him. Watched all the games for the under twenty ones. Look, I want to. I want to. I want to. I want to see something. Special, but I thought he looked. I thought he looked okay, but I also thought he looked a little bit middle of the road. I thought he looked like an average England under twenty-one player. He certainly wasn't the standout player on the pitch, in my opinion. Agree, agree. All right, let's hit the last. And you know I love him. I know you love him. I know you love him. I'm sad, but we have to remember, Matt. No one cares. No one cares. No one cares, Emil. No one cares. All right, let's go on to the final topic of the conversation because I know it's late in England. Saudi cleanup operation. Matt, this is one of those moments where you might say no one cares, but I'm going to bitch about it anyway. Saudi are on the the biggest cleanup operation in the world. It's like uh, the the Premier League uh, has it's like a Premier League oil slick, and they're just out there cleaning the oil off the top of the of the sea. Um, clubs have. Shipping all of their uh, their waste into Saudi. Liverpool have lost about five players to them. Manchester City just sold Laporte for twenty five million. Uh, apparently, Mo Salah is begging to go there. Like, what? How unfair is this? Would we have done better in the bad years? Two or three years ago, Saudi had been here. They they would have picked up over at thirty five million. Mustafi would have got a fee. Uh, add jealousy, you of all these clubs that. Um, like just flushing away their errors. I'm not that jealous because I think the kind the level of player who goes, Laporte is the exception. You know, I think the majority of players who are going there have finished, washed, they're on the wrong side of their career. Um, good luck to Saudi. I mean, it must be great being Saudi Arabian right now. And you've gone from having just a completely terrible domestic league to quite going to be exciting like people are going to be tuning into those games i mean like, you're getting to the point where i'd rather watch that than bundesliga or liga like and they've literally done it in one year and they're not going to stop um so i'm so excited for them i know that's a very unpopular point of view but um you know name our head into mumbai 
in the uh, their version of the Champions League. Yeah, and and you know, I'm like I'm. Some people are saying Sadio want to buy an entry wild card into the Champions League. Yeah, that was a little away trip to Al Hilal. <laughs> Why not? Why not? Especially if you're on a on a little detox as well. Yeah, get the, get the Hubble bubbles out. It'd be great. Oh, lovely. Why, right. why, why is that better than Ukraine? Uh, actually, I don't want to go to Ukraine in a way game right I now. I you want to go there, right? I think there's a lot of reasons you know why it's better than Ukraine. <laughs> yeah, but, but um, yeah, no. I mean, people people love to shit on the whole Saudi operation, but it's like, yeah, you've got a resource that is under attack and is running out. So what are you going to do? Well, you've got like 15 years to go and get into other other businesses. We're just going to spend a colossal amount of money. Of all the things you could be getting into, football actually way more fun than oh, well, let's mine lithium instead, or let's do let's try and be a financial hub. No, we're just going to buy a load of old footballers. Great. In, in, interestingly, they the rumours the Mason Greenwood was offered up there, and they said no. It's bad for the reputation of the country. So they're serious about using this to um, you know clean up their reputation and like premier league fans like we we have absolutely no right really to criticize well, anybody that's, that's it. we've been that's lapping it. it up in the premier league for years and not oh don't worry about where that money comes from i do i do have to laugh that i mean that's a real low when like saudi arabia were like no you're bad for our reputation mason i thought i said someone asked me they were like oh he'll go there i was like i don't i don't think so i don't think that if you're trying to improve your reputation i don't think signing somebody with that much baggage is the way forward. Someone's going to pick him up, though, Matt. Someone's going to pick he him is, up. Who's he, gonna... is a piece, he is a piece of shit. You know, like, like, he wrote that, that apology and he goes, oh, well, the charges, I was cleared of, of the thing. It's like, you weren't cleared. Like, that is a, comp- and, like, it was, it was fact-checked. It was like, no, the charges were dropped. You weren't cleared. There was a massive, massive difference and they were dropped by your, by your now wife and mother of your child, right? It's not, absolutely ridiculous that he's putting stuff like that out in his own apology like his apology is factually incorrect absolute piece of shit and united coming out and saying that they they they've seen the full facts i'm like mate if you've seen the full facts then then tell us what the full facts are don't uh don't 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 like don't bounce out of this pressure and say actually we were right but we're just gonna we're we're gonna get rid of him but we were right. but imagine coming out and saying we're still contemplating after months and then making a decision like a day later. That was, yeah. It's so badly managed. Really, really bad. All right. Okay, Matt, that takes us to the end of the podcast. Uh, if you're listening to this on iTunes, remember, we like those five-star reviews. We don't like anything less. We don't like anything less. And don't come on there with this is a knee-jerk podcast. It's supposed to be a knee-jerk podcast. Not this particular one. But there will be an on the whistle uh, this Sunday after the game. Matt, are you heading there? I'm going, yeah. I can't wait. I can't wait. I'm actually going behind enemy lines tomorrow night and going to uh, my mate's taking me to Chelsea Luton. So, uh, so get yeah, gonna, get some intel, see what's going on over there. Maybe then, we'll do a little then... podcast uh, to talk about them because I'd love to hear what they're like in the flesh. They've got a lot of talent. doesn't seem to be gelling quite, quite right, but uh, I've got a feeling that right. they might get a little I, bit better. I think I'm going to bring a bit of that Arsenal DNA star quality to the ground. I'm sure they'll win 5-0. It's Luton. And yeah. they're due a win because they've been better than one point out of out of six. So uh, I'm sure I'm sure they'll win tomorrow. But it is only Luton. 
And then, and then, yeah, I'll be, be at the Emirates on Saturday for the game. Um, really, really excited to be back in my seat, Fulham. I think we're playing them at a good time. You don't want to lose 3 0 at home last week. That's, that's really not good. So their confidence is going to be low. I think this new formation setup we've got is built for breaking down deep blocks. Like I'm sure the one that Fulham's going to cut with, we absolutely dealt with them when we played them away last season. Yeah, I think it should be a routine win. But famous last words. Indeed. Well, fire me through a little video and I'll put it up so we'll get your on the I sent you one for West Ham. I know. I, and... I wasn't looking though. I wasn't looking. So send it through. I'll, I'll definitely put it up this time. Okay. All right. Okay. So we'll have to do a little oh, podcast. And I, bought, and, I, and I bought the green shirt. The old, yeah, uh... well, do you, do you like the green shirt? Oh, I love it. I love it. It looks it's, glorious. It's beautiful. Beautiful. Interesting. Right, well, I didn't see that one coming, but I, I've tried to justify it for that. That that away kit is a fucking monstrosity. The more I see it, the more I don't like it. I think it looks good on the pitch. I'm not going to buy it does, one. Yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah. I I buy that. Yeah. I think it does look good on the pitch. It looks terrible on average fans. It's just, <laughs> but it inspired nice. inspired our branding. So what can you say? It did. Uh, the branding looks good. That's for sure. <laughs> All right, mate. Well, we will catch you on Sunday. We should do a little catch up and uh, love to see you on with the green kit. But uh, on that note, we're going to say ciao for now. Speak to you soon. Bye bye. Sports Social Podcast Network. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. <gasps> no, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.